Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Hello world, Shelly Rose Shearer here and welcome to the show. As I've kept warning you guys, I've got a whole list of guests this next uh, couple of months and today we have a very special guest who we're going to talk about two different subjects, one his journey and two his coaching and I'm going to read you his bio and give you a little introduction into who Sam is. Sam Thiera is a professional who has created a personal journey as a storyteller, writer, workshop facilitator, problem solver, educator and entrepreneur. His goal is to engage individuals in their personal and professional development and was recognized by the Governor General of Canada with the Canadian Sovereign's Volunteer Medal and the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal. His work is reflected in the hundreds of individuals he has mentored and the thousands he has engaged. Added to this are the 45 plus nonprofits that he has worked with over the years. Presently, Sam is the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting, a platform that engages his audience to define their path. He is an accomplished and sought after speaker and has two TEDx talks to his name. And he recently wrote a book about his journey to India to find his ancestral roots with little else than a photograph and determination. The book is called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. Sam's signature tagline is, everyone's life is an autobiography, make yours worth reading. Sam, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Shelley. It's a pleasure to be here today and I look forward to sharing and having a conversation with you. Wonderful. Well, as I do with most of my guests, there's usually a little bit of chatter before we start. So I asked you the question, I'd like to start a little bit with some background about your trip to India. I asked you how it is you didn't know about your roots. And of course, we're both Canadians and we're both from the West Coast, living in the West Coast right now. So uh, to my audience, we are very close uh, geographically right now, Sam and I, and I live in a very dominant um, area of a lot of Indian background people. In fact, as I talk on my podcast, I have a young man that lives with me from South India. So when I read that in your on your website, it was like, how did you not know where he came from? <laughs> One of the first questions I always ask is in order to have a life that where you're not living in regret, clearly this was something for you that you wanted to explore. So tell us a little about, about that journey and how it transpired. Yeah, I mean, it, it all started because I was, you know, born in England, raised in Canada, my parents come from Fiji, and my grandparents come from India. So we were distantly removed from India because of generational pieces. And what happened was, my grandfather left India to seek out adventures, was actually on his way to Argentina, eventually the boat stopped in Fiji. And I don't know, it was either he thought this was uh, Argentina. Maybe he said, you know what, this is a beautiful place I should get out. Or maybe being landlocked for all his life, maybe he just saw Fiji and he said, that's it, I'm done. I don't want any more sea travel. <laughs> but that's where the journey uh, for my parents began. And then we wound up in, well, they wound up in England. I was born there. And then we immigrated to Canada. So the whole idea of growing up in Canada as a, you know, Indian background, Oftentimes people would say, what part of India are you from? And I would say, well, I was born in England, raised in Canada. 
And they're like, no, 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 your parents, what part of India? And it's like, they're from Fiji. And then they look perplexed and they're like, wait, are you Indian? And I'm like, well, my grandfathers are from India. Some people would then also say to me, wait, you're not Indian, you're Canadian. So you struggled with this identity piece. So I wanted to, as I got older, question about our, our ancestral roots, this piece of India that was always somewhat vacant or missing. There were remnants of my cultural background there, but I was quite distant away from it. So I wound up starting to ask around. And what we knew was the name of the village is Chadori. It's about six miles from this post office town called Garshankar in the district of Hushyarpur. So I thought, okay, let's try to see what we can find. And I did a lot of research and talked to people, but the thing that was amazing is the feedback I got from people. They Which were like, mean? they were like, you know, why are you even bothering looking for the past? Mm. Uh, you know what, you may not even find what you're looking for. Why are you wasting your time? Uh, or you're not gonna have a good reception if you ever find this. And I mean, I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty. So when all of this comes to fruition, it's like, okay, this is even more that I have to do this. So then uh, I wound up getting a photograph and it's a faded photograph from uh, my cousin who's my uncle had gone to the village, but he passed away many years ago, but nobody knew where this village was. No address, no nothing. Okay. And that's all I really went by was just this photograph and very little information. But the journey itself was probably the most exciting part because it's like, I'm a foreigner going to a land that should not be foreign to me. And that's what I write about. And it made me realize that, you know, there's a distinction between the term tourist and traveler and that I'm a traveler. I want to experience, I don't want to just see things. Right. And it was amazing to be in India. I mean, there's the, the grandiose buildings and structures that were created, but embedded in there was the poverty, mm -hmm. but the resilience of the people and you know the fact that they were still smiling and there's something that they held within them. So there was a lot of this that I learned, but in the process, it was also about not just seeking my ancestral roots, but it was also about my own identity as an Indian. And I went to India in that regard. And what I realized is my life was always segmented. And there's a right, there's a dish in the Indian culture, which is called a tali, which is a okay. platter with segmented dishes. So I'm Indian, Canadian, mm -hmm. Fijian, and British. But by going to India, what I realized is I'm no longer a tali, this segmented dish, it made me realize that I'm actually a rice dish called kichri, which is a blend of flavors and blend of, of spices. So instead of segmenting just, and I think a lot of people may relate to this because we segment ourselves into different categories through social identity and whatnot, is the fact that we actually have a blend and, and embrace the blend and, and who we are. Yes, very much so. But Yours is also specific to culture and oh, background yes. because the Canada, of course, is a melting pot, but we all do it in our lives, yeah. through our personal life, through our home life, our business life. We start holding all these little segments like they're separate identities. Yep, exactly. So then, uh, but then it was also about going to find my grandfather's house. And I mean, was I successful? And, I, you know, here's a spoiler alert. <laughs> but the important part isn't the fact that did I find my village or not? The important part was actually the journey 
to mm -hmm. experience and to explore and the setbacks or the successes. That's the part that I think was, uh, was very significant because I think sometimes we are so focused on the final destination. We miss the journey. Very much and, so. Yeah. And I really needed to do this for two reasons. And uh, one reason was that just with that photograph, that's all I had. Again, I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty, but knowing that no one else was going to do this, the connection back to our past was literally a fine thread and it was about to be broken if nobody did this. So I went on this journey to just try to see if I could reclaim this. And the second part is my father, when I was nine, became a paraplegic from an industrial accident. Mm. And he's really been there for us and worked with us uh, to help us and who I am today. And I, he's never been to India, so I really wanted to do this for him. And the spoiler alert is actually I was able to find my grandfather's house by, by the journey. And that's why I said it's a really uh, interesting way that that all came about. But I was able to actually go and scoop up some dirt from my ancestral roots. Yeah, bring it to the family so that they've got that. That is a huge part of someone's story. You know, it's funny because we take it for granted. Canada... Yeah. Canada and the United States, of course, we're, we're immigrant countries. <laughs> we're not natives here. Um, but when you're like me, where you're fourth generation British background, and now my son and granddaughter, we're up to six generations, mm -hmm. I know no other life. And I, I, I completely associate myself with my British background because my grandparents were from there. However, five generations, four generations back, I have a Native American in my in my bloodline you do not see it in my looks at all being a redhead with freckles and all of us grandchildren look like I do but my mother and her aunt and my grandfather very very obvious my grandfather looks like a plains Indian high cheekbones dark hair kind of swarthy very handsome and that none of that was kept track of in our family even our English background was not tracked my when I was very younger my grandmother went back once every couple of years I don't even know who she visited. You know, my mom knows, so we know so little. And being a curious person, I'm always like, what is it about our, ba our background? You know, history, I think is so important, like you say, but the journey comment, just as a, my own little segue, I have to laugh at different people. I lived in my life, a lot of raising my son as a single mom in the end result. And it was a huge lesson for me. But in my life, like when I travel, for instance, I'm all about the journey. The second I walk out the door in that cab or whatever it's called, I'm on vacation and everything until my destination is part of the journey. My husband, yeah. oh, not so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing starts. There's no joy. There's not a cocktail. There's nothing until he's where he needs to be. I'm like, dude, we've got the airport and the yep. fun on the plane. And, and so we're so different. And we really had to reconcile that in our marriage because we get into fights. Yep. He's like impatient and let's go. And I'm like, hey. We're out the door, all is well. <laughs> so I really applaud this part of you searching for that and how that yeah. must have, have taken. Yeah. Um, so now you you work at SFU, I understand, and you coach mm -hmm. and your institute and you have a process. You and I have a very similar love in the fact that young people. Yes. I have three, I call them kids, and we were joking about this earlier because yes, they are still kids, but they are in their 20s, they're grown, grown adults. But we've opened our home to, uh, to young people mm -hmm. the last few years. It is interesting watching their journey. It is interesting mentoring them because I just am that way by nature. And two of them call me mom, you know, especially my Indian boy, actually. He's yep. called me, he calls, you're my Canadian mom. And learning 
their experiences in helping them find their way. You clearly have walked into this path a little bit. Tell us, uh, the audience, a little bit about your program, how that came to be, and your just your thoughts on all of this. Yeah. I, th I found what was really interesting is the fact that, uh, I mean, I graduated from university many, many years ago and was lost. And the interesting part that out of all of this is the fact that, you know, you would think that things are much better right now, but there's people are still lost. They are. And so I, I, I remember going, I had my, my stumbles, the, the bumbles along the way, and then eventually found my footing probably when I was about 35 years old. Well, all of a sudden, then it was like this light bulb clicked and it was like, okay, so I've been able to find something that has, is going to help me. How do I help others? And how do I go back to the university and support and help these individuals? And I wound up going, uh, well, after, so I worked on the Olympic bid committee. And after that, I wound up getting to SFU. But when I was at SFU or when I walked into the interview, I didn't talk about what I was going to do because they wanted somebody to, to be involved with student engagement. In other okay. words, outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't tell them what I was going to do. I told them why I wanted this job. And it was about, you know, the stumbling blocks, the setbacks that I had and how this has uh, made me who I am today. But I really want to be here for the students. So the BD School of Business at SFU basically gave me a budget. And they basically said, engage the students. And that was in 2004. And I came up with what I call the five pillars of student engagement. So that was, uh, you know, academic competitions, club activities, conferences, international exchange and student development. So built an entire platform on creating a culture of engagement and it just took off. But what was really interesting in all of this is the fact that students started showing up at my door and grabbing a seat and saying, look, I'm really lost. I, and I'm not sure the direction to go. So we would have a conversation. And, you know, I've been blessed because I've been there almost 17 years now. And in the last about eight years, it's been teaching. So now teaching the students is not just uh, working on the programming side mm -hmm. and that, that ended. But it's really interesting because I always say that it's about not what you're going to do. And this is what society has programmed us to say, you know, what, what are you studying? What are you going to be when you grow up or get out of school? Great. I focus on who, and I said, only by understanding who you are, are you now able to determine what direction to go? And I spend a lot of time helping them facilitate that understanding the who they are. In my class, and I've got 125 students this semester alone, and I do this every semester, mm -hmm. I make every single student in week two, and then in week 12, we revisit it, a personal statement. And I don't want this to be a running resume. If you and I meet for the first time, how would you introduce yourself to me as an introduction? So I am an individual who, and then dot, dot, dot. And a lot of students struggle with this. But to this date, I still speak to about three to eight students a week. It's been about 5,000 conversations. Uh, mm. For example, I've got two today and then tomorrow, I've got a student in Singapore who's going for her master's, who's just you know needing the support. So, you know, it, it's so rewarding because it, I don't want them to go down my pathway and I don't want to describe 
the things that they should do. I think there's enough people telling them what to do. Yes, especially in this new society that we have, like your comment earlier that it should be easier. No, I completely am on page with you that it's almost too much information. It's almost, we're inundated with external forces and no one's doing, your students must love you. Um, they, there's no internal work of yep. who do I want to be as an individual? How do I stand out? Or how do I be the best version of me? Yep. Critical thinking. Um, yep. it's, I hear it all the time from people I interview and people I work with that the young people are just lost yep. coming out of high school. So yep. someone like you, I mean, I had some great mentors and being in my fifties, that's a long time ago. But they stand out. Those three teachers in high school and in university, they stand out in my head and even in work. So you being that for someone, I just, I get a little kind of goosebumpy because I just think, thank God there's people like you out there. Parents can't do it all. No. We can do a lot, but we can't do it all. And lots of times you need that external input. Totally. So your own journey just literally organically took you into this. Oh, totally. And you were coaching without even realizing you were coaching because the kids just showed up at your door. Totally. No, it's really interesting because uh, they come to me, they see me as this orange saffron bearded man on top of the mountain. Now I do have a beard and I will be at the top of the mountain in Burnaby. But uh, the way I look at it is they're looking for the answers. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be what I call a difficult monk because I am not going to tell you what to do. Uh, There's enough people telling you what to do. I'm going to be the difficult monk because the monk that they seek lies within them. And my job is to ask those questions. And they, when they start answering it, the clarity starts to happen. Mm-hmm. So I like to be this difficult monk. And I think that's part of it is just the fact that they know that I'm not going to tell them. Now, I've been, uh, like I said, uh, mentoring for about 20, 25 years. I'm still mm-hmm. in touch with the people I mentored 25 years ago. You know, Sir Isaac Newton said this, and I loved what he said, because it just reflects how my life is. I've been able to see far because I stood on the shoulder of giants. And the people mm-hmm. I have mentored over all of these years, I'm surrounded by greatness. I, I've seen them go on to do amazing things in life and career. Uh, I'm still in touch with them. They're getting married. They're having kids. Uh, they're going for graduate school. They're doing amazing careers. I'm surrounded by greatness. And it wasn't because I'm looking at, okay, what's in it for me thing. I'm, I'm like, the way I guess I could describe this is if you were to look at uh, the gold medal ice hockey game, uh, you know, in the Olympics, like the coach never gets the medal, but the players storm right. off the bench and they celebrate, but the coach stands in the background, arms folded with this grin on their face saying, yeah, we did a really good thing here today. And that's what my life is, is is being that coach in the background that just says, this is your success. I am not here to tell you that you have to go down my pathway or anyone else's pathway, but let's realize what is your pathway. And then I do an exercise I call the five core elements piece, which is what are the five things that are important to you in life and career, not just career, but life and career that you are not willing to compromise. It's a tough exercise for them because now I'm actually making them think and to reflect and be introspective. No. Go back to that bit about the um, not telling them, because really, what are you doing f- with it f- from right puppy or child? I've got a new puppy oh, yeah. in the house and it's like, I'm back to training again after 15 years. It's like, oh, right. All yeah. of it is about do this, do that. No, yes. In growth. I sometimes think what happens, they hit teenage years. And I was yeah. very cognitive of this, raising my own son. 
we forget to let go and start getting them to start making the decisions where they're just being told everything of you need to do this. You need to, that is expected. Those incredible words of guilt and expectation that I think, unfortunately, our generation and my generation uh, before me certainly put it on my generation of what is expected. So it must be very gratifying knowing you've come through your own journey and can look at people and go, I'm going to step you out of this mold just yep. for a second and see how, how fast you can break it almost. That's almost the, the image I'm getting from you. Yes. So sorry about that. So yeah, oh, so no. tell us about the program and sort of how you take people through those pillars. Yeah, so what I do is I, I created what I call the f- uh, five core elements. And this actually emerged because of my own personal journey because again, I never had anyone there to support and guide me. And probably when I was around 35 and I started then focusing on who, not what, mm-hmm. I said, okay, what are the five things that I'm not willing to compromise? And I laid down this foundation piece. Now, these have changed over the years. Okay. But what it did was it offered me clarity because rather than putting that, you know, cart before the horse and, you know, doing a job and then going down a pathway and whatnot, I'm putting the horse in front now saying, okay, here's what is important to me. I'm going to balance it against any opportunities to see if this resonates or not so the five things that i hold right now that i'm not willing to compromise servant (laughs) leadership story sharing activator igniter champion enabler and community do-gooder so those five things are critical so that when an opportunity emerges i balance it against those five things so i ask my students or anybody that i coach and mentor and these are even senior people in organizations Mm -hmm. i'll say what are five things that you are not willing to compromise and first thing they may say is uh, you know, family is really important to me. But then the key question to ask is why? Right. So, okay, why is family important to you? And then they use the words, well, you know, it's about the relationship I have with the family and the extended family, the connectedness I feel. I said, so let's take the word family and you use the word relationships and connectedness. Can that be one of your five? And family is a component of it. And they're like, That's right. yeah. Because you can uh, have those same things outside in the world. They don't have to be like boxed into just within your family dynamic. What you're saying though, is these five things are specific to the individual. Mm -hmm. You don't have this list of do these five things, or these are the five pillars. You really make them even more so think out of the box. They have to come up with their own five things. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way, what you've just described there is, you know, all of us could walk into a store to buy a suit. And let's say there's there's suits there, but they're all the same size, 52 shorts. Mm -hmm. Now you could wear a 52 short suit. I could wear one. I'm a 42 regular, but the sleeves are going to come up to my, uh, you know, mid arm. The trousers will come up to just below my knees and I could (laughs) wear it as a double breasted. Well, this is what a lot of us have is a 52 short suit, but it doesn't fit us, but we can wear it. Ah. What I'm trying to create is a tailored suit for this individual. And, you know, so for example, I was talking to a a dear friend of mine in LA and, you know, we were doing the exercise, the five core elements, and she's talking about how the environment is really important to her. And I'm saying why, and she's describing what she really is looking at. And I just blurted out, oh, so you're an environmental ninja. And she was like, oh my gosh, I love that. Can I use that? I said, you know what, have fun, play with it. And just think of it this way. I mean, if you go to a job interview or you're at an event and someone says, you know, tell me who you are or, or hi, who are you? And uh, tell me about yourself. 
you know, I could go, my name is Sam, you know, I work at SFU, I teach and this and this and that and all that. Okay, that's great. Or I can say, oh, well, my name is Sam. And there are five things that are really important to me. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator, igniter, champion, enabler, and community do-gooder. Those are things that I'm not willing to compromise, but it enables me to then provide support and help and purpose to the individuals around me. And you can go on and on. Mm -hmm. A much more compelling statement than the running resume thing. Right. But now you have something to balance it against. So as an opportunity emerges, you can say, well, how many does it hit? Does it hit two out of three, three out of three? When you hit five out of five, you have fulfillment. And you can change your words at any time in your life. Like you're not stuck with these words. So you encourage people to take those seasons of their life, reevaluate these cores and make sure they're part of the next part of their journey. Oh, I've changed mine. Yeah. That's not how it started out at 35. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> it is very interesting how very different things now motivate me and things like you say that are important to me. And if they're not in place, then yep. that's clearly not the path I want to be on right now. And every time I deviate, I struggle internally and wonder, why am I struggling with this? Yeah. Why am I not sleeping? Why am I unhappy? I have a great life. Even with all the COVID mess, still have a great life. It's like you stop, you reevaluate, go, oh, compromising again, not staying focused on what's important to me. Totally. totally. Okay. So how do you, your work clearly, but now you're outside that box. Do you do coaching and stuff externally of, of your quote unquote job? Talk talk to us about the Institute. Yeah. So I I talked about that as well uh, in the sense that coaching is, is just one component of, what I do. I mean, the speaking blends into the coaching piece because a lot of what I'm asked to share at conferences relates to what I do as coaching. Uh, Oftentimes what happens is people will reach out and say, look, can we have a conversation? Or, you know, I've been in this job 10 years, you know, maybe it's time for a change. And I think um, what I appreciated is when I read the title of your podcast, there's a blog post I wrote, which was had to do, have to do, want to do. Because really the first step you take is this is what I had to do culture, pay, benefits, none of this matters. I just need a job. Right. And then eventually you reach a point where you're like, what do I have to do to get to this want to do? And, you know, this realization piece. So it's about uh, providing that avenue, the reflections and peace. So either it's coaching, it's mentorship, it's, um, you know, we even, uh, my co-founder and I, we launched a, a, an organization called Gratis One. Mm-hmm. Because what we found is instead of really compartmentalizing it to one-on-one, which I still do, let's expand this because, you know, universities, colleges, high schools struggle with providing the support to the students. Mm-hmm. So gratis one, gratis is Latin for step. So step one in that area. So we were for 15 to 25 year olds and created programming. And, you know, people would be like, I want to get into human resources because I love people. And then I'm like, if you love people, don't do HR because it's not about that. It's much bigger and deeper than that. Accounting. I want to do accounting because I love numbers. And it's like, wait, if you love people do accounting because you're dealing with clients and they're like, I'm so confused. So we did these panel discussions to open up the avenues of what it means to be an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, um, an entrepreneur. And we also did personal branding pieces, just created that as a a mechanism to support this coaching piece. 
and uh, actually we then merged with the League of Innovators and we went nationwide. So that was a really great uh, piece because it meant more people could be positively impacted. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Oh no, it was a great uh, opportunity. And uh, it just means Gratis One had to shift to League of Innovators. But equally at the same time, the whole idea behind it is I'm very organic in what I do. So sometimes it's just, let's grab a cup of tea. We haven't talked in a while. And in that process, the question comes up. Of course. And then, you know, we start talking about life and career and the journey that they're on and, you know, insights. And, you know, it's about uh, just being present. Uh, I always say it's more about being present and helping as opposed to that financial piece. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, if I speak at a conference, somebody says, well, Sam, I'm sorry, our, our budget may not be what you would normally charge. I'm like, the message is more important than my remuneration. And, you know, if it helps people, that's what I think is really important. Excellent. No, I couldn't, I could not agree with you more. People, second question when they ask me what I do, I says, I podcast. Do you make money at that? I says, you can. We just can't help ourselves because we're raised to run down for that almighty dollar. And I do have to say this past couple of years has been, um, the hardest for me being an A-type yeah. personality to let that expectation go and just live in my gifts. And yeah. like you say, let it come organically. Totally. Now I had a 28 year career in accounting. Funny that you should mention that. Oh, you like people, you should be in accounting. For me, that was exactly true. So mm-hmm. you see all this energy. I walk in the door and people are like, you're the bookkeeper. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, I am here to solve your life and <laughs> to help your business. And I realized when I went to Bell Canada for a stint, when I got more mature and and more uh, uh, capable in my career, I loathed it. Mm. I loathed it. Mm. I loathed being that cog in a wheel where there just wasn't great communication and there was no real control over what happened department to department because I had spent 20 years helping small, medium businesses in every aspect. And that gift of service and the sacred gift of knowledge is what I was engaging Right. The numbers, like you said earlier, it was just something I was good at. Yeah. That just, honestly, I took accounting in grade 11 and 12 in my high school for crying out loud and didn't renew anything with my CGA till I went out of school and was already actually had Genesis going. Right. But it was the people and yep. the, the mentoring and the, you know, we need to understand this. And with your businesses doing this, then your lifestyle looks like this, yeah. whatever that, you know, broader picture, more involved liked people. Mm-hmm. So of course I wasn't working for one organization. I worked for a dozen people. Yes. And I loved it for a long, yeah. long time. I loved it. I don't miss it now, but that again, that was accepting that this change needed to come now. And COVID yeah. actually, for me, I always like to talk about the positives of COVID. It ended that for me like yeah. that. The last yeah. few people were, they got hit hard and had to let me go. And I was like, and we're done here. No, and, and with COVID, as you brought up, I think that uh, the way I've maneuvered it and I've spoken at conferences mm-hmm. is this idea that it's easy to dwell on the negatives. And I'm not saying that it's it's not negative. It's it's really changed things up. Yes. But I came up with an acronym that I shared at conferences and podcasts. And I say, there's a need for us to care. And what care stands for is collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Excellent we need to collaborate with each other. Like, mm-hmm. don't think of it as just silo or uh, you're working in this. No, no, find the people that you need to support and work with and they need support as well. Collaborate. Adaptability means shifting and changing. I've had to go from in class to online and it wasn't too difficult for me because uh, 
I generally thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty, so adaptability <laughs> works. And resilience means this isn't over next week, next month. This is a long haul. This is a marathon. So you build that resilience knowing that this is going to be a long haul. And empathy is something that I think is really important. We need to show care mm -hmm. and compassion to each other because you have no idea what people are going through. Exactly. So just that conversation you have with people, you have no idea the impact it's going to have. So I think we really need to care right now. I, I couldn't disagree with you at all there. I just couldn't agree more. Um, and if anything, this environment has taught us that. And some people, like you say, you and I, I kind of thrived in it, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I was content. It's been a huge growing experience this past week and letting a few things go. But they that was just my organic changes that needed to happen in my life. A lot of people, a lot of despair, a lot of loneliness, not yeah. a lot of lack of what do I do now, yeah. uh, which to me, I, give me your opinion on this, speaks to some core fundamental uh, things in their lives versus sort of yeah. how they were living. Totally. I mean, and I mean, during this COVID period of time, our, we as a family, we went through a major renovation and lived in our basement while the whole house was being destroyed up above us. And yet out of this, you know, we were hunkered down into a 900 square foot basement and it was like fun. I mean, it was like we, we enjoyed it. But equally, I found an outlet. Now, one of the side things I've been doing is woodworking and it all emerged because a designer said, and here we'll put an Ikea table and this feature wall. I was like, no, I'm going to make my own table. And then now I've spent my time in my garage, but it's an outlet. And I find that when I'm in the garage doing woodworking, making tables, charcuterie boards, shelves, it, I don't know where the time goes, but I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the next things I want to work on. And, uh, you know, it, I think a lot of people, what we need to do is find an outlet, whether it's woodworking, cooking, yoga, uh, cycling, whatever it is, but find an outlet, just something that is yeah. different from what you do. And you will be amazed at what you can accomplish. Jim Quick talks about that in his quick learning book about our brains. Now, having parents and grandparents all with dementia, Alzheimer's, yeah. it was becoming a fear for me. And then I realized different generation, different nutrition, different choices, I, I hold the adage that the brain can be rewired and that it needs rest and it likes to grow and learn. And the body might be aging, but my spirit's not. <laughs> I'm still the same person. I just look in the mirror and go, oh, wow, that's not what that was 20 years ago. Nope. But I still feel the same. So for me, it's gardening. Uh, and for me, that's where I'd let go of everything, like you say, and the mind just rests. And yep. then it starts searching for some other creative outlets because it's just wandering. You know, and I lose track of time. So that's always a good thing. And it just wanders. And that's where I have epiphanies. And then I'm on my phone making a quick note. Oh, I know. <laughs> look that up later. So I did wonderful. So yeah. clearly you have a good riff, a little gift of craftsmanship that you have yes. uh, discovered through all of this. If you could leave people mm -hmm. with sort of, hmm, well, I guess one thing I always mm -hmm. say, you know, what is the one thing that you as you mm -hmm. could offer? To the audience today, what would it be? Yeah, as and when you mean offer insights or insights for insight? right now, yeah, insights yeah. for right now is is you know that there's a lot of noise around you, mm -hmm. and really what the what happens is instead of listening to the noise or hearing that noise, listen to the voice within, and what is that voice within telling you? Because oftentimes it's it's masked, it's clouded. And, you know, there's something that's important that's there for you. Mm -hmm. But when you 
activate the voice within to be louder than the noise around you, that's where the magic happens. And I think what really uh, you need to do is, and, and like you said, the outlet is an avenue where that noise seems to just dissipate. Yes. So that, that voice starts to come forward. And the fact is that you're on a journey. It's not about that final destination. But that voice is there as the journey to get you to a destination, which isn't your final destination. And I think that I, for to me, for for me actually, I find that it's that voice that has emerged in my life that has really provided me the clarity of what I need to do and the fact that what I'm doing is what I should be doing. Excellent. I like the word milestone instead of mm-hmm. destination. When when you yeah. and I talk about, because I talk about it so much on my podcast, about life being a journey, but yeah. still having goals and staying on a path and understanding yeah. that it winds, it's not always straight. And if there's yeah. a wall, walk around it, um, build a fence, build a door. I mean, sorry, build a ladder, build a door, yeah. whatever you need to do, if this is what you want, remove the rock out of the river. There's so many analogies there, but it's about that. The milestone is excellent, but it's yeah. not the end result no no i loved your website very interesting lots going on there (laughs) so let's talk about what uh like you just asked was this like an insight so to what you physically offer what can people Mm -hmm. expect when they go to your website which uh, this will all be in the show notes guys and everything will be there for you so what can people expect to find there and what little tidbits do you suggest they go search for yeah. I mean, go to the blog blog section. I've got okay. about 170 blog posts and those are just my thoughts and ideas of everything that I share with people, you know, about uh, the five core elements or about goals versus intentions and, uh, you know, the noise being, you know, dissipated or, or silenced by the voice within. Everything we talk about is part of this 170 blogs I've written. Uh, if they're interested in, you know, getting either of my books, one on storytelling or the trip to India, that's mm-hmm. also there as well. But also about speaking and coaching. Like, it's just uh, uh, the platform I have is really who I am. Uh, but I set it up there, not for me, but for the audience to say, you know, if this is there and, you know, the blog post, for example, there's something that resonates. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You know what? Uh, it's there for you. And it's there's no charge for the for the website or the to to walk through the space exactly like you are true you're a true blogger mm. every now and then i throw something up but clearly this is my vent this is my medium but um that is blogging seriously those links i will put there sam you want you wanted to sort of make a point about connectedness it's on your website there's information there for me uh and for anyone else that looks it up talk to us about that and why you think it's so important especially in today's society yeah, connectedness is the sense that, you know, we, we have our, you know, our devices and our devices are there for communications and connecting us, but we actually are disconnected because we're so focused on, on our devices. Mm-hmm. Connectedness is this reminder of that human connection. And one thing that I do, because I spoke at TEDxSFU and I talked about the extraordinary and the ordinary and embedded in the ordinary, the everyday life are these tremendously extraordinary experiences. Mm -hmm. But you have to be aware of it. Uh, And through TEDx, what I spoke about, how you discover it is through curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspective, and experience. All of those things will help you to understand the extraordinary out of the ordinary. And if you already haven't determined, I am all about acronyms. What What I hold is a single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And 
what happens is this is ordinary because if I give you a piece of a, of a jigsaw puzzle, which mm -hmm. I will make sure you get one, is it's ordinary. There's not much you can do with one piece. But this is what people feel like. They feel like that single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. They're not sure where they fit in or even what's the bigger picture. Well, instead of being ordinary in that single piece, I make it extraordinary. And, I, and I've seen the transformation to extraordinary in when I describe it, because what I have is a satchel with other puzzle pieces. Okay. If I give you a piece of my jigsaw puzzle, do you realize my puzzle is permanently incomplete without you? Do you realize how important you are and how much I need you in my puzzle? And I think we forget because we feel like this, but we don't realize how much we are a part of someone else's puzzle. Mm. And I've seen the transformation on people's faces and I've given about 5,000 pieces in the world to date. And I hear from people saying it's taped to my mirror. It reminds me, someone told me how important I am. Every morning I, I look at that. It's in their curio boxes. It's traveled around the world in backpacks. It's in wallets and they see me at events or they come frantically looking for me at an event saying, Sam, I lost my puzzle piece. I feel disconnected. Do you have one? And I was like, yep, here you go. But it's just a simple way that we can actually demonstrate how important people are. And what's amazing is when I do this in class in my last week, I talk about this. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I start after I finish the lecture, because that's the last thing I leave with, I, I start putting my stuff away and I look up and I see a lineup of students wanting to shake hands mm -hmm. and wanting a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And I hear from them years later. I just found your puzzle piece. It's still with me. And it reminded me about you. And I just wanted to, to just drop a note. Uh, so it's just a beautiful piece about connectedness. That must be so gratifying. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic journey. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. It's been actually an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Actually, I wouldn't mind having you on again um, because people need to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the reasons this podcast exists. People need to know there's hope. There's hope that they're not alone. I love the jigsaw puzzle. I always talk about the movie theater, that we're all in our own movie theater, right. but we're watching the same movie yes. of our lives. But our perspective is completely different from, say, our spouses or our children or our parents in the next movie theater over, mm -hmm. all watching the same film. And not one of us is seeing the same thing at all. But I really, I really like the, the uh, puzzle piece. I think so important right now where there's so much... Uh, awareness showing up in the world right now with mankind, that kind of uh, example is so important right now. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. You might be in a different boat, still the same ocean. Is there any link in particular you just want to give people really quickly? Yeah, just, uh, you know, tap into, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all of those places. That's where you'll find me. And same with the website. What is your website address? So triple W dot sam dash theara my last name dot com thank you again blessings to you and we will chat soon we really hope you enjoyed this episode of coulda woulda shoulda stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com and instagram at livingwellwithshell if you would like to speak with us please send us an email through shelly at livingwellwithshell.com and as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan. <laughs>